person taking the service. Um, and also, when we meet in communities, we have many, many voices because when we do Discovery Bible Study, everybody gets to speak. And so a reminder that next Sunday is, am I right in thinking it's the third Sunday? So we'll be meeting in communities around the city. Um, so if you're not in a community and you want to know where people are meeting, uh, let myself or know or ask others. Um, and then I think, um, Tim, is your community still going to be meeting downstairs? Maybe? Uh, not this year. Okay. Harry, you might be meeting up here. So there will be a community here um, if, if you, uh, uh, I'm sure, and you want to come to meet. Um, right. Talking of Harry, Harry, would you mind reading the word for us? So um, it's uh, the rest of you can follow. It's Matthew chapter 16, verses 13, down to the end of the chapter 28. I think you've all got any NIV Bibles. This, who's, if you want to read it from the NIV, oh, that's ESV, but it doesn't matter. It's yeah. fairly simple. So it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to the 28. George, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from sorry, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake 
and find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his own life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they, until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, so, um, like I said, you've heard a lot of my voice. My, my um, intention is not for you to hear a lot more of my voice. I'm just going to give you a few of the key elements of this passage and then invite you to do a little bit of homework and to talk to one another, to work through it um, yourselves. Um, so it's quite a well-known passage. Hopefully most of you are familiar with it. But I think there's, there's a link here that doesn't always come out unless you read right the way through the whole part of it. And the, the link is, it's the whole gospel within this little passage, but it's also the, um, the call to discipleship as well. That as much as we like to think um, the world is rosy when we turn to Jesus, actually... Um, there is a cost. There is a price that we are expected to pay. And unfortunately, the church has tended, in order to sort of, you know, keep numbers going uh, and growing, uh, things like the church growth movement or uh, things like uh, uh, the prosperity gospel, we try and sweeten the deal, okay? We try and make it, uh, you know, a bit saccharine on the outside, whereas I'm trying to tell you the basic, honest truth, as cold, as light as day. And so the good news is the good news of Jesus, okay, and we don't need to dress it up with gimmicks, okay? The good news is the good news. And if people don't respond to that good news, that is it something that we need to pray to God for the Holy Spirit to do something about. It's not something that we can really change. So we don't need to try and sweeten the deal. Um, but part of that deal is what you might think of as bad news, in that there is a need for our own death to self and our own self-sacrifice. Jesus showed the way so that we could follow. And um, if you remember a month ago when we had Ying Kai from China here, um, you'll remember he talked a lot about the cross. And he talked a lot about the fact that Jesus was nailed to the cross, so sacrifice was part of the deal. He, he couldn't get off the cross. He was nailed to it. And in the same way, it's part of the deal for Christians. Okay, self-sacrifice or death to self is nailed on to the deal of discipleship. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's a famous German pastor who lost his life during the Second World War for opposing Hitler, he wrote a book, it's a classic, it's called The Cost of Discipleship. 
He understood the cost and he was willing to pay the cost with his life. And what Ying Kai was saying to us when he visited was every single one of the disciples paid with their life. Apart from one, John. And John was the only disciple who was left at the cross with Jesus and then wrote about that cross as the love of God. So he was the only one who understood it fully and wrote about it fully. And mercifully, he was the only one who didn't pay in that kind of uh, way of martyrdom. So let's just, let's just look at this. Um, there's some good stuff here. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, his inner circle. Okay? And word is spreading that he might be the Messiah. And people are arguing about that. And so he, he wants his disciples to say, well, who do you think I am? Okay, it's all very well for them arguing about it, but what about you? Who do you say? And, and he says, well, I've heard, we've heard that some say John the Baptist. Well, John the, the Baptist is clearly a different person. They'd been in the same place at the same time with the disciples. So the disciples aren't going to fall for that one. But some people thought that maybe since John the Baptist had been beheaded, maybe he'd returned from the dead. Some say Elijah, who they're all waiting for a prophet. And they thought that it was going to be literally the return of Elijah. Well, Jesus kind of corrects them at another point and says, no, John the Baptist was like Elijah returning. So it's not him. Others say he was Jeremiah. They were clearly expecting one of the great old prophets to return and one of the other prophets. And then he asked his disciples, and of course it's Simon Peter, the first to speak. Simon Peter was the first to jump out of the boat. Simon Peter was the first to do most things, probably because... He didn't think before he talked. But on this occasion, Jesus says that what he said was revealed to him by uh, Father in heaven. Because he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's a fascinating phrase. You are the Christ, son of the living God. Okay? The Christ, son of the living God. There's two things in here. First one is the Christ. Christ means Messiah is the, the, it, 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 the anointed one, literally anointed one, the one who is going to come save his people. Okay? So you're the one who's going to save. So he was saying, Jesus, the Saviour. Jesus, Lord and Saviour. Now, he only can save if Jesus is Lord, i.e. he is above all things. There's plenty of other passages, uh, look at Corinth, um, Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, that kind of uh, make that clear. So Jesus is a Lord and he's son of 
the living God. That was a name that they had for Yahweh. He's the son of that living God. So Jesus is alive. Now, we can, we're post-resurrection. We can truly say Jesus is alive. But even in this statement, he is kind of uh, speaking forward to that moment that we are going to be able to proclaim Jesus as Lord and that Jesus is alive because later on in Romans, Paul tells us that in order to be saved, we need to declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay, epitaph number one, that Jesus is above all things. And believe in your heart that God raised <coughs> him from the dead. Now, if you look at the creed or any basis of faith for the church, however grand or however simple, that is like the nub of it. Okay? Unless you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, then we're all wasting our time. Because if that sacrifice led to Jesus being dead, it's no good to us. Because we can't live for eternity. We can't be uh, celebrating victory because it cost Jesus his life and that was the end. It's only because Jesus rose from the dead that we can actually celebrate victory because he's, he's a victor over death. Do you understand? <laughs> so this is good news, yeah? It's on this rock that we can put our foundations of the church. Now, this next bit is sometimes confused. So, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. By, by the way, the bar bit means son of. Okay, so Simon, son of Jonah, Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, Peter's name in Greek is Petros. Okay? Now, let's just remember, he was born Simon, or named Simon. It was Jesus that gave him the name Peter. See, he, Jesus knew what role he was going to have. And I think, just to, for emphasis, that's why he says Simon, bar Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, remember? Yeah? I've called you Peter, because you're going to be a rock on which I'm going to found my church. He says, on this rock. Now, when the Greek says this rock, the word is different, Petra. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'll keep it simple. It's not exactly the same word, is it? Now, there's a reason for that. It's an important reason for that. It does not mean that Simon was literally going to become the foundation of the church. He's going to play a pivotal role, 
at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, he was the one who preached and 3,000 people were joined to the church. He was the one who was crucified upside down in Rome. He was one of the early leaders of the church. He's a pivotal guy. But there's enough gap between Petros and Petra for us to conclude that it's the confession of Peter that's the important thing. It's what Peter says that makes the difference. Because Peter says with his mouth, Jesus is Lord. So we can be part of that church by saying Jesus is Lord. We can be foundational stones in his church by saying Jesus is Lord. Now, in Rome, so we're told, tradition has it, that Peter's bones are literally under St. Peter's. Now, I've, I've got quite a lot of faith that that might well be true because I love the way that God does the physical with the spiritual. But we're founded on Christ. Christ is the rock, not Peter. Do you understand? And we see in the next section, verses 21 through 23, quite why that is the case. Because a little while later, when Jesus is saying the other half, if you like, the bad news of Christianity, I say that facetiously, he's saying it's going to involve self-sacrifice, death to self. Love is going beyond ourselves. And Peter says, don't be silly, Lord. It will never happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, you're not going to base the entire church on Satan, are you? So what Peter said has changed. He's gone from saying something that is true to something that is untrue. So Peter's gone from hero to zero because of what he said, what he's sensed in his heart. So we're not going to base our church on a lie and our lives on a lie. We're going to base it on Jesus. And Peter is going to give him credit for being an important, pivotal guy for showing us that if we say that, then we're on the rock. Okay? If we say no to that, then we become a stumbling block. Does that make sense? It says, um, I think it's in, uh, where are we? It's in, it's Peter, I haven't put it up there. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, if you, um, you, you've got a choice, basically. You can fall on the rock, okay, and be broken into pieces, or you can be crushed by the rock and smashed into the wind. That's quite a hard thing to hear, but basically, you can either choose Jesus as Lord and follow self-sacrifice, and it will be hard, it will be like being broken pieces of pottery. Or you can choose to ignore him and not have him as Lord 
and you'll, be, you'll turn to dust eventually anyway. So, I know which one, or at least I hope I know which one you would tend towards, that you would be able to say that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Okay? What does that mean in your life? What does it look like to have Jesus as Lord? On your Monday morning, what does it look like? And then there's a second question. Are you a stumbling block to Jesus and his plans? Because his plans are that the kingdom of God will grow and the way that we all grow it is through love and the way that we can love is through sacrifice through putting others be ahead of ourselves and uh, showing that love sacrificially so are we willing pay the cost that, that might not mean taking a bullet for Jesus I hope not okay we're not in those times yet although in some places we are but a lot of us avoid persecution by not speaking up there are things that are Christian things to say that in our world, if we um, keep our mouth shut, nobody will know any different. Whereas if we were to speak it out, we'd, we'd soon know about it. We'd soon get persecuted. So are we willing to... What is it now? Oh, is it the kids? Ah, oh, the kids. Yeah, they're nailing. That's really interesting. Do you know what they're doing? They're nailing nails to the cross. It, it wasn't, it, you know, it was quite, I was quite aware that when I was preparing the kids' work, I was preparing about Jesus' death on the cross. Have you ever thought about that? That they are actually hitting the nails. And when you hit the nails, it actually makes you think, doesn't it? So I think that's, God's reminded us we need to stop and us to think what does sacrifice look like is it getting up in the middle of the night to nurse a, a howling baby is it you know um, is it taking an elderly neighbour um, for a walk is it putting down your agenda listening to God more closely. Let's have last, we've got ten minutes, um, and I just invite you to think about those two questions, um, and then turn that into a prayer of how you might approach your week coming up differently. Does that make sense?